Hey everybody, welcome. Thanks for joining us here in the building and online. We stand up. We're going to sing the praises of the Lord together. Come on, sing of his love. Sing higher than the mountains. Higher than the mountains that I face. Stronger than the power.
up a shout of praise to the Lord. Yes. His love never fails. Yes. This is 
Aren't you glad to be here this morning? Let's thank our great God. What a great God we serve. You may be seated, please. And I'd like to also welcome those joining us online. We're so thankful for the opportunity to come your way today online and also in person. And I just want to say happy Father's Day to all you dads out there. Let's have a hand for all of us fathers out there. What a great day. You know, we had Mother's Day. We were totally online only. And somebody said to me, now, when Father's Day comes, you better not be having your big party out there, right? So, no party today, folks, and uh, we'll, we'll, get that, we'll get that all going later. But happy Mother's Day to all you moms that we didn't get to see. Let's hear for the moms as well today, all right? We love you. But happy Father's Day, and I know that uh, many of you are planning some fun things to do today, just spending time with your family, and we're thankful for that. And uh, I just want to say welcome today. We're glad that you're here. Just by way of announcements, just a few announcements today as we begin uh, just uh, going through our announcements. The first one here is the volunteer meeting for our Vacation Bible School. Our Vacation Bible School is a mega sports camp, and so the volunteer meeting will be tomorrow night. So if you would like to help out, you say, yes, I'd like to help out with VBS. Come up here tomorrow night, 630, downstairs in the, in the kids' land area. You will find them, and, uh, and they will show you and help you figure this thing out because we're going to have our mega sports camp. It's coming up here July 13th through the 17th, I believe it is. And uh, it will be out here in the parking lot. They're going to do stuff in the parking lot, on the field. We're going to have kids. It's a total outside event. And we're looking forward to something fun for our kids and just to try and reach out to them. So I want to encourage you if, you, if you have kids, go to the church website, sign up. You can sign up there, register your kid. Also, please go there to sign up to serve. So hit the VBS link, the Kids Camp link, and you can go down to the bottom of the page there. There's an opportunity to serve and, uh, and also an opportunity to register. So we're thankful for all that God is doing. We're glad that we're able to, to kind of get things going again. Isn't that exciting, folks? And I know that you're excited about that as well. And as we continue on, we're, uh, we're continuing our prayer gatherings on, on Thursday, I'm sorry, Wednesday evenings. We have our prayer gatherings here. Uh, we can, we're continuing them live online. So I just want to encourage you, wherever you're at, pull up Facebook, go to the church website. You can pull it up there. And we just spend about 35, 45 minutes in prayer. And we pray for the needs of the church. So if you have a, a, a need, I want to encourage you, go on there and you, you can put it on there. We'll be praying for you during that time. And uh, we just really take a, a time of giving God the priority. So uh, I want to encourage you to join us with that. And that's a great way that you can just connect with us online throughout the middle of the week. And we can just continue to seek the Lord for all that he's doing. And then our car cruise. You know, I, I was driving in the other day, and I saw the sign-up. It said car cruise here at the church next week. So I said, I guess we're back on, right? So uh, the uh, Tuesday night car cruises. So if you're into that, you have a classic car, you want to come up and hang out, you can hang out on the parking lot and enjoy, enjoy a nice time of cruise. I think uh, there will always be a hamburger or two up there. I think you can find a hamburger in the gym that night. And uh, that'll be an exciting time. And if you don't have a classic car, come up and just hang out. It's just a fun time for people that kind of come and go. They'll do that every Tuesday from 5 to 9. 
weather permitting. So um, if you come up and uh, you don't see anybody here, you know that it's a little cloudy and those guys didn't want to bring their cars out, right? But uh, for the most part, they'll be here every Tuesday, 5 to 9. So we're thanking God for all these opportunities that he's given us to, to reach out and make an impact in our community. And I want to encourage you today, would you also go to the, uh, our Connect card? We're, seeing as we're not passing anything down the aisle, no paper in the pews for the time being, I want to encourage you just to take your phone and go to the church website, crsmin.com. Hit the online connect card like you did when you were just at home, all right? And just hit that for us. And if you have a prayer request, you can put it on there. Um, anything that you need to communicate with us, please do so there. And uh, we're, we're just thanking God for, for what he's doing in the church and as we roll forward. And I want to say thank you for your giving. God's been so good. You've been so faithful to give. And I want to encourage you to continue to give. The offering boxes are on the wall in the back of the auditorium and also one in the foyer. You can give online, you can give through the mail or through those boxes. So we're just so thankful. Isn't God good? What a great God. Let's, let's thank him this morning. This morning I've asked Pastor Luke to share the message. He's going to continue in our series, Flannel Graph Faith. And uh, I'm looking forward to it. We had a great night last night and looking forward to a great morning this morning as we jump into God's word. Let me just bow in prayer with you before we continue with another song. Father God, I come before you, Lord, and I thank you. You're so good to us. You've taken care of us. You have uh, you've ministered to our hearts and our souls, and we thank you for that. And so, God, I just ask that you'll continue to move mightily in our church, move mightily as these are your missionaries all over this town. In your name we pray.
claim that here. We know that's true. We've seen it in our lives. And so I thank you for this time that we can worship and declare that wherever, wherever we're at, sitting right here, sitting at home, watching out in the parking lot, in the car, whatever that looks like, Father. You're good. We trust you. We, we ask you to soften our hearts as we hear your word. We love you in Jesus' name. Amen. Happy Father's Day. Brought my impact drill just in case we needed it. Hopefully nothing falls apart, but I'm just going to put a few of my pieces out. So we're talking about Samson, and I thought, man, it'd be a, that's a great Father's Day message. And so I'm going to get my Philistines set up here. And, you know, I have to tell you that as we've been having conversations with people, I've had uh, probably more adults that have been like, I finally get it. Like, this is just, this has, like, changed my life, and, and, and I have to, like, do a double take and just say, you're sure? Um, but I will say that, if anything, I just want to let you know that we have a rich history, and I'm thankful that we have a rich history at this church of wonderful men and women that teach our children the truth of God's word and that Jesus Christ is the only way, the truth, and the life. So can we just thank God for our Sunday school teachers? 
Because as I look at this, I just remember all the men and women that put up with me. You know, because I, I remember, you know, because I was that guy who was in the back, and I was that kid who tried to be quiet, and so we're going to add Samson. So Samson, uh, I'm like most of us, did not have the ability to get his hair cut during the quarantine. So we're, was that funny? <laughs> um, but I just want to just add a few of these pieces, and then we're going to move to the digital flannel graph, which, uh, just wait, it's, it's going to be good. It's going to be real good. Oop. And how many times did that happen? Everybody remember that one? How many times did it fall off and then you try to catch it as a fall off? But I just want to say thank you to all the dads. Thank you for raising us. Thank you for mentoring us, for leading us, and a lot of times just kicking us in the pants uh, because that's what we needed. And so thank you. And so uh, it's Father's Day, and I, I couldn't think of a better way than to talk about Samson. And so I just want to let you know that during quarantine, I, I had, we were home. A lot of us were at home. And I, and I think what, it, what the struggle I had was there are so many things that I have to fix. And I think as dads, and I mean, I think all of us, we're always looking to fix something. And I think I, I, I focus so much on what can I fix and why can't I fix it? And I would lose my mind. Why can't I fix this? Why can't I take this problem? Because it, it wasn't just a putting a screw into a piece of wood, although you wouldn't want to use this for... You go right through the board. But, you know, using these tools, and I'm thinking, like, I, I can't, there, there are things with my children and things in the family and, and, and being able to walk life with you. Like, you can't, you can't just fix it. And that really was hard for me over, the, over the being home and during the quarantine. I think that's just hard in life. My hands, my power, my strength. God has been, like I said, God has been teaching me so much about being in the moment. You know, having two kids that were online during school, and there are things that I feel like God has been teaching me. I just, maybe right now, I can't fix this right now. And maybe the fact that I can't fix it right now is exactly where God wants me to be because he's trying to get my attention. And so today, let's look at Samson. And so just as we kind of get started, what comes to mind when you think of Samson? Maybe you think of, uh, yeah, so I'm telling you, this is good. Um, But you think of this long flowing hair, and I know some of you were like, oh, man, they took a picture of me, Um, you know, from from being home, from being on quarantine. I couldn't get my hair cut. But maybe we had this this jock that's like superhero, this, I mean, his, his biceps are like the size of me. I mean, this is gigantic, right? And so, you know, we have this, this concept of who Samson is, and maybe some of you, this is the first time you're hearing about him, so I'll, we're going to walk through this together. This super strong jock, the thing, this guy with long flowing hair, probably like when I first met my wife and she prayed behind my back that I would cut my hair. She didn't even ask me, she just went straight to God. Um, and so this morning we're going to look at a guy who honestly was a one-man wrecking crew, but God used for his greater purpose. And so, like I said, let's, let's talk a little bit about Judges. So in the book of Judges, this is where we're going to pick up Samson. And, and I want to let you just give you a quick little context, a little history on, on the book of Judges. So Israel is God's chosen people. These people lived uh, the back and forth, right? So they were close to God, not close to God. They were close to God. They were focused on the idols of the, of the land. They were focused on, man, these people are great. This dynamic, they were going to God, off God. Focused on God, not focused on God. Captivated by other people groups and their gods. Man, that religion sounds great and focused on them. It was like a roller coaster back and forth. And, and so the, the book of Judges shows us that the Bible, right? The book of Judges shows us that the Bible is, is not a book of virtues. It's not full of inspirational stories. 
Why? Because the Bible, unlike so many other books on religions are based, is not about moral examples. It's about a God of mercy and long-suffering who continually works in and through us despite our constant resistance to his purposes. And so in the beginning of chapter 3, God's people are in the longest time of oppression, right? Faced over 40 years under the threat and oppression of the Philistines. In fact, the Philistines were embedded into the area and in Israel. So they were actually not just like far away and they were threatening them. They were living with them. And the the Israelites were like, they were idolizing the Philistines. They were all after their god, Dagon. They were more focused on the world and the Philistines than God. And so our, our story this morning picks up in a small town near Jerusalem. So here's my prayer this morning. As we open up the word of God, my prayer is that we grasp the following in the life of Samson. You cannot put God in a box. And there is no such thing as Lone Ranger Christianity. And out of our weaknesses, we're made strong. So this whole story opens up uh, uh, Manoah and, and Samson's mother, who I want to tell you, Samson's mom, if we're going to have a Mother's Day, be recognizing Samson's mom because she put up with a lot. Wonderful woman. Raising her son to know, to know God and to follow him. But in Judges 13.5, this is kind of where we pick up our story. So, so the angel appears to them. So th- she is unable to have a child. And already we're seeing that God is the God of the what? The impossible. That's who our God is. He is the God of the impossible. So it says, you will become pregnant and give birth to a son. So this is an angel talking to Samson's mom. And it says, his hair must never be cut. For he will be dedicated to God as a Nazarite. From birth, he will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. And so this Nazarite vow, is, is a, it's supposed to be a voluntary thing. So there's a couple things I want to point out here. It's supposed to be voluntary. And it was a way that, is a way that they would take this special vow. It was a way that they would say, God, we, we need your help, special help during this crucial time. And so it was supposed to be for a time, but the angel said that this is going to be for his lifetime. So this is, this is important. But look in the yellow. For you that are colorblind, it's this last sentence. He will begin to rescue Israel from the Philistines. That is really important. Really important. He will begin. Not he will deliver, but he will begin to deliver, right? And so we're going to come back to this later. And then we also see here in, um, in Judges uh, 13, 24 through 25, we start to see God working in his life. And so it says, uh, when her son was born, she named him Samson. And the Lord blessed him as he grew up. And then in verse 25... It says, and the spirit of the Lord began to stir him while he lived in Mahanadan, which is located between the towns of Zor and Eshtel. So we see the hand of God in his life. We see that God is stirring in his life. The spirit is leading him. And so before I move on, I want to remind you, God's plan for Samson's life was to do what? To begin, right? To begin to deliver the Israelites from the Philistines. And so what God had to do here is really powerful. So check this out. God had to actually create a division between the Philistines and the Israelites because the Israelites were so focused, they were so captivated that he had to create a division and Samson was going to bring that division so that he could do what? He could liberate them. But Judges, specifically Samson, is like, is like every other book of the Bible. It's not a story of God using perfect people doing big things. In fact, he uses quite a despicable person. He doesn't look very despicable on that flannel graph. But he uses quite a despicable person doing disgraceful things for his greater purposes. And so as Samson grows up, instead of going after a woman in his own, uh, 
in his own clan, in his own tribe, he goes after the enemy, right? So he goes after a woman who is a part of the Philistines, right? And so he, he, he finds himself a Philistine wife. So in, in Judges 14, 5 through 6, it says, As Samson and his parents were going down to Timnah, a young lion suddenly attacked Samson near the vineyards of Timnah. So two things happen here. So before this, he goes after a woman who is a Philistine, right? And then after that, he goes down to Timnah, and he's actually going towards the vineyards. And as a Nazarite, you're not supposed to be taking things, drinking things from the vines, so that would be alcohol. And so that's where he's headed. So we see God intervene in his life, and he throws this gigantic lion at him. And so in verse 6, um, at, at that moment, the Spirit of the Lord came powerfully upon him, and he ripped the lion's jaws apart with his bare hands. He did it as easily as if it were a young goat, but he didn't tell his father or mother about it. So here we see the first instance of God's power in Samson's life. He tears the jaws of a lion apart. I mean, like, come on. Like, he tears the jaw of a I mean, no one, probably most of us have not been face-to-face with a lion, maybe behind, like, that glass wall at the zoo. But you're, is it, see, I have thrill issues. And so for me, like, if this is the glass and the lion's here, like, my kids are over there, and I'm kind of like that cool, trying to be that cool dad. I'm just like, come on, just, just, do, just do something. Come on. You know what I mean? Just like, ah. Like, ask my wife. Taking me to the zoo is like adding a fifth child. So I think that when I, when I think about a lion, I'm just thinking, you know, th- this is a, it's a lion. Like, it's, it is a full-grown lion. And so what's powerful here is we see Samson's lack of self-control because he's on his way to the vineyards. He's on his way to, 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 to let down his vow that he has before God. And literally, we see God save him, Right? So this just reminds me of 1 Peter 5, 8. This is a powerful verse for all of us to remember. Stay alert. Watch out for your great enemy, the devil. He prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. You know, we're all susceptible to the attacks of the enemy. And Satan is waiting. Let us walk with the Lord daily and stay alert. You would think that because Samson experienced great strength that he would do what? He'd point back to the Lord. He'd point back to strength came from God. Thank you for saving me. But what does he do? He continues down the road of self-deceit. So Judges 14, 8 through 9, we pick up later. It says, later when he returned to Timnah for the wedding, he turned off the path. So he's on his way to his own wedding. And he turns off the path to look at the, at the, the dead animal, right? The carcass of the lion. And he found that a swarm of bees had made some honey in the carcass. I've seen a lot of dead animals, but, like, I've never seen this before, like honey. And so there's just a lot of symbolism here, but this is real life. And then in verse 9, it says, He scooped some of the honey into his hands and ate it along the way. He also gave some to his father and mother, and they ate it. Uh, but he didn't tell any of them he had taken the honey from the carcass of the lion. So, so he, he touches something that's unclean, Right? And then he gives it to his parents, and they don't know, so he makes them unclean. Like, he is a one-man wrecking crew. But God still continues to use him. As the story unfolds, Samson throws, in all intents purposes, a bachelor party for himself. His in-laws provide 30 friends for him and send them to the party. And so Samson, just being so full of himself, shares a riddle. And this riddle has them in circles for days. And finally, the companions beg Samson's wife to give him them the answer Samson's wife tries and tries, and finally she gets him to give the answer. And so the companions, with the correct answer, go back to Samson. And, and, and what Samson promised them is if you, give, if you get the riddle correct, I'll give you 30, 30 fine linen robes and festival clothes. It's a lot, right? 
And so they're like, man, that's great. I could use a new wardrobe. And so they, they, they beg Samson's wife. So they get the answer. They go to him. And Samson is so mad. Probably not because they guessed it, but probably because they guessed it. You know, and so he's so upset that he, what he does is then he goes and strikes 30 Philistine men down. Let me pull up this next picture. I'm like, <clears throat> it's one thing that when you're wrong to own your own problems and own your own uh, wrong and then to, to right it. But like the fact that he like steals and, and strikes down 30 other people and steals their stuff and has a shopping spree with their clothes and then goes back to them. I mean, this guy is a one man wrecking crew. And so right here, what we're seeing is his violence is ramping up. And he cannot control his temper. He strikes down the men not, this is interesting, he strikes down the men not to save Israel, but to save, or to pay back his own debts. And so after a while, Samson goes back home to his, his wife and tries to bring her a, goat, a young goat as an I'm sorry gift. And so Judges 5.2, it says this, I truly thought this is her father, this is the woman, his wife's father. It says, I truly thought you must hate her father, explain, so I gave her a marriage to your best man. But look, her younger sister is even more beautiful than she is. Marry her instead. And then it continues on. Samson said, this time I cannot be blamed for everything I'm going to do to you Philistines. So he immediately is continuing on being raged. So what does he do? He ties foxes' tails together, lights their tails on fire, and puts a, a, a bunch of sticks and lights them on fire and sends them through the grain fields. Like, he is, he, is, he is just, he is full of revenge. He is full of deceit. He is full of, I just have to get my vengeance. So, so, so now, after this, he goes to live in a cave. I mean, I, I probably would too. Um, so here he is in a cave. And so without, so let's just pause for a second. Without forgiveness and reconciliation, this is a familiar story to us. Think about family structure. Think about forgiveness, lack of forgiveness, and lack of reconciliation on a national level. It's just cyclical. On and on. Do you guys see the answer is going to be, it has to be Christ. Because without Jesus, you can't forgive. You can't properly love. Each action prompts a reaction, which brings its own reaction. And seemingly unbreakable cycle continues. So Judah, one of the tribes of Israel, they want to remain peace with the Philistines, right? Because they are lording over the the israelites and so they have no idea that god has raised up a judge to save israel and when they discover that he has this is interesting they send three thousand men to hand the judge over to their enemy they want peace like just we want peace and so in judges 15 11 it says this so three thousand men of judah went down you go back yeah, 3,000 men of Judah went back down to get Samson at the cave in the rock of Edom. They said to Samson, don't you realize the Philistines rule over us? What are you doing to us? Like, wouldn't you want to be saved? Wouldn't you want to be rescued from these Philistines? No. Think about their focus. It wasn't on God. It was on the Philistines. They were idolizing them. They were mesmerized by them. It's like you're going to go to your own rescuer Think about how messed up the situation already is, but think about Judah, this part, this tribe of Israel is like, you have the opportunity to, to, to help Samson, to rescue your people, and they are so fixed on, well, we don't want to upset the Philistines. So what happens here? So Samson says at the end of verse 11, but Samson replied, I only did to them what they did to me. It sounds like my kids. 
So then in verse 15, in chapter 15, then he found the jawbone of a recently killed donkey. He picked it up and killed a thousand Philistines with it. Then Samson said, with the jawbone of a donkey, I piled them in heaps. With the jawbone of a donkey, I've killed a thousand men. This is a picture of a jawbone. About yay big. So the donkey had already been killed, but he had to remove that part of the jaw, and then he killed them all. This guy's nuts, to say the least. And so now you're thinking, okay, now, so now this has happened, and now, now Samson's thirsty. <laughs> Again, sounds like my children. Judges 15, verses 18 through 19 says, Samson was now very thirsty, and he cried out to the Lord. Here's interesting. This is the first time he's talked to God this entire time. This is the first time he is talking to the Lord this entire time. And it says, you have accomplished this great victory by the strength of your servant, Oh, my word, for the love, Samson, for crying out loud, dude, just like you want to, like, shake him. Like, you, you did this? It was your strength? Like, do you see anybody else ripping the jaw off of a lion? You used a donkey bone. Like, where did you see that? He didn't see it on social media. Like, he had to figure that out himself. You know, he saw, like, he, I just can't, it's so hard to put myself in the head of Samson. But, but our sinful nature takes us in all different kinds of places. So, so. How many of us can relate to this? <laughs> what hits me in the eyes, what hits me in between the eyes here is how Samson is thirsty and he claimed the victory was his. Um, and so then it says in verse, in verse 20, it says, um, it says, must I now die, of the, now die of the thirst and fall into the hands of these pagans? So he's whining. Like the emotional roller coaster of this guy. He's whining. And so... Samson really thought the power came from him. And then in verse 20, it says, Samson, uh, so God caused water to gush out of a hollow in the ground at Lehi, and Samson was revived as he drank. Then, then, then he named that place the spring of the one who cried out. So he names the place after himself. <laughs> and it's still in Lehi to this day, if you go to that next slide. So here's a picture of him, pretty whiny. Just crying out to the Lord, and then the next slide is actually a picture of uh, the, this spring. Isn't that cool? I think sometimes we're just looking for little nuggets, and God goes, I just want to let you know it's still there today. That's the spring in Lehi. So later on, so, so, so just, so again, after, so then go to the next slide, Hunt. So Samson judged Israel for 20 years during the period when the Philistines dominated the land, right? So there's another 20 years that happens after this, Right? And then in uh, Judges 16, 4 through 6, this is where we pick up a very familiar story. So sometime later, Samson fell in love with a woman named Delilah who lived in the valley of Sorek. And then it says, the rulers of the Philistines went to her and said, entice Samson to tell you what makes him so strong and how he can be overpowered and tied up securely. Then each of us will give you 1,000 pieces of silver. It's pretty enticing. In the next verse. It says, so Delilah said to Samson, please tell me what makes you so strong and it, what would it would take to tie you up securely. So he tells her, he, he plays her. He gives her three different things. Bow strings, he snaps them in half. Brand new ropes, snaps them in half. This one's a little odd. And then he says, weave my hair into a fabric of a loom. Just be thankful I never had that long hair. Jess is just like continuing to pray as I'm speaking. You know, but I just think all these he broke through without thinking. He broke through without thinking. But what was she, what was delight like? What was her drive? She was tempted, yes, for money, but.
But then if, if she could bring the downfall of Samson, she would be considered a heroine, right? She would be this, man, she saved her people. There's no love here. I love you because you do this for me. That's not love. I do this. I love you because. I love you because. So then in verse 15 in chapter 16, then Delilah pouted. (laughs) How can you tell me I love you when you don't share your secrets with me? You've made fun of me three times now and you still haven't told me what makes you so strong. She tormented him with her nagging day after day until he was sick of it. Finally, Samson shared his secret with her. My hair has never been cut, he confessed, for I was dedicated to God as a Nazarite from birth. Oh, so now he talks about the Lord. If my head were shaved, my strength would leave me, and I would become as weak as anyone else. Again, this is one of those moments where I just want to, like, reach through. I want to talk to Samson. Do you really think that it's in your hair? It's in, your, it's, in your, it's in your hair. It's like to think that, man, God loves me because I have money. Like, it doesn't make sense because here's what that does. Just follow with me with this logic. Think about it. If Samson's hair was the secret to his power, that would mean that Samson, that would mean to Samson that God's power was 100% limited to Samson's ability to not cut his hair or have somebody else cut it. And that just makes me think, how often do we find ourselves limiting God's power to our own ability to do something, to fix something? You could think, because I'm in a good season in life, God is using me. My finances are in great shape. God is blessing me. My relationships are doing great. Therefore, God can use me. I've been to church every week. What about those, what about those weeks that those things don't happen? And God shows up in his grace and in his mercy and uses us in ways that we're like, wait, what? I'm in like the darkest, deepest time in my life, and here you're using me? Verse, verse 18, Delilah realized he had finally told her the truth, so she sent for the Philistine rulers. Come back to me one more time, she said, for he has finally told me his secret. So the Philistine rulers returned with the money in their hands. Delilah lulled Samson to sleep with his, uh, with his head in her lap. And then she called to a man to shave off the seven locks of his hair. In this way, uh, she began to bring him down, and his strength left him. Then, then she cried out, Samson, the Philistines have come to capture you. When he woke up, he thought, I will do as before and shake myself free. Because remember, it's all about him. It's all about his ability, his strength. But he didn't realize the Lord had left him. So the Philistines captured him and gouged out his eyes. They took him to Gaza, which is the capital, right, where he was bound with bronze chains and forced to grind grain in the prison. But before long, his hair began to grow back. So what mattered here in verse 20 was not that Samson's hair had been cut, but that the Lord's power had left him. So it isn't interesting who the man who burned the entire field of grain for the Philistines is now grinding that same grain. In verse 28, it says, Then Samson prayed to the Lord, Sovereign Lord, remember me again, O God. Please strengthen me just one more time. With one blow, let me pay back the Philistines for the loss of my two eyes. Then Samson put his hands on the two center pillars that held up the temple, pushing against them with both hands. He prayed, let me die with the Philistines, and the temple crashed down on the Philistine rulers and all the people. So he killed more people when he died than he had during his entire lifetime. Later, his brothers and relatives went down to get his body. They took him back home and buried him between Zor and Eshtel, 
where his father Manoah was buried. Samson had judged Israel for 20 years. Here's a picture of Samson tearing down the, the pillars. So as we, as we wrap up, here, let's, let's go to a little bit of application here. You know, I just keep thinking of back to, back to this. Human hands producing human results. And don't get me wrong, I love this drill. But what about the times where I can't fix it? You know, I, I just was thinking about this last night as I was just, just, rap, just praying and wrapping through my head around this. I actually think I've got more done. Just let's talk. Let's just talk tools and getting work done. I've gotten more done by working with people than I have my own self, by myself. Now, some of you, you are like expert and you, no one knows and you secretly are building houses all over the place. But for me, I know that I can't do this thing called life alone. And so my, my, my first point of application here is we have to avoid Lone Ranger Christianity. That does, Christianity by yourself does not exist. You know, for some of us, it's give me a list of rules and regulations and leave me alone. Or just leave me alone. <laughs> I don't want this relationship stuff. We think we need rules. We, we, need, we need to know God. God does not and will not give us a guidebook for every twist and turn every doubt, and every decision in our lives. He gives us something so much better. He gives us himself. Close fellowship is the, way, is the best way to ensure integrity of our inner and outer lives. A one-man wrecking crew focusing on outward impressiveness while suffering from internal disintegration since no one is close enough to see our spiritual lives or to encourage and challenge us about it. God works through flawed people. Men, on this Father's Day, let's stand up and be the leaders that our families need and our worlds need. The next step for us as men is to be on our knees every day. It doesn't have to be physically. More importantly, it has to be spiritually. I cannot do this alone. God, I need you. Um, my uh, middle son painted this when he was in kindergarten here. And he's in preschool here, which I thank God for our preschool. And it says, Daddy, when you hold my hand, you hold my heart. And all I can think about is, how can I begin to carry and help my family meet Jesus and see Jesus if I'm not doing it myself? You cannot do this alone, men. And that's for Everybody. You cannot do this alone. And so here's my challenge for you. I'm not saying go home and work harder. I'm not saying go out and do life and be like, okay, I got to put my, put my hand to the grind and I really got to get this done. What I'm saying is meet with God every day and say, this is gonna, let, let this be our prayer for the next month. If it's for the next year, wake up every day. God, I need you. I cannot do this alone. I often find myself that that's all I can pray. God, I need you. I cannot do this alone. Second point is there is danger in success. The scariest part about Samson is his heart used God's blessings as a reason to forget God. As we saw in the Gideon cycle, while adversity is hard on us spiritually, success is even harder. One Puritan minister, John Flavel, summed it up 
this way. Can you put that quote on the screen? Outward gains are ordinarily attended with inward losses, while, conversely, <clears throat> excuse me, inward gains, growth, humility, self-control, wisdom, are ordinarily attached to outward losses of our finances, careers, or relationships failing. What outward losses is God using in your life? Using to grow you. You know, just one story that popped into my head is, you know, there was a promotion I wanted about five years ago. And I didn't get it. In fact, I was shut down pretty abruptly after a time of talking and, 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 you know, doing what I thought was good work. But God wasn't about to waste that time. For in that time, the very thing God was birthing in my heart is the very thing that this church stands on. Relationships and discipleship. Success is not bad, but it is dangerous. The enemy wants nothing more than to make us forget about God and fall in love with his blessings, to love the creation more than the creator. We can now begin to see how sin and grace function on two complete opposite bases. In grace, God takes even our weaknesses and failures and uses them for us. But in sin, we take even his gifts and strengths and use them against him. Our sinful hearts will always find ways to even to use uh, even God's blessings to ruin our lives. Paul speaks of this in Romans 1. And in effect, he says the worst thing God can do to us is give us our desires success. The most successful people in the world tend to be the people that are farthest from God. The third thing is we are blind to grace. Grace is receiving something we don't deserve. Our true strength is not in ourselves, but it is a gift of God's mercy. Samson couldn't see that God was working through him. Truly, it was by his mercy he was able to do anything that he was. Truly, it's God's mercy and his grace that we're sitting here today. That this church is standing. So going back to what we talked about at the beginning, we think we need rules, but we need to know God. God does not and will not give us a guidebook for every twist and turn, for every doubt, for every decision in our lives. He gives us something so much greater. He gives us himself. When Jesus left, this is so important, when Jesus left, he told his disciples, here's the guide for everything. Here's how to raise your kids. Here's how to talk to the person at Giant Eagle. Here's how to, you know, deal with social media. Just watch out. That's going to blow your minds, and you're going to lose your minds for a long time. You know, he, he didn't give them that. He said, I am with you always, even till the end of time. That's what Jesus said. I am with you always, even till the end. And so today we have his spirit. In fact, he said, I have to go so that the spirit can come. We have the Holy Spirit with us. And oftentimes I think we think, man, I am so far gone. I am too alone. I am too messed up, too unforgivable, too broken. And may I remind you, later in the New Testament, they go back to talk about Samson. Hebrews eleven thirty two through 34 says, How much more do I need to say? It would take too long to recount the stories of the faith of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Japheth, David, Samuel, and all of the prophets. By faith, these people 
overthrew kingdoms, ruled with justice, and received what God had promised them. They shut the mouths of lions and quenched the flames of fire and escaped death by the edge of the sword. Their weakness was turned to strength. They became strong in battle and put whole armies to flight. What can take our weakness and make us strong? Samson points to the something greater. Samson pointed to King David, announced by Samuel, but it didn't stop with David. David brought rest, but couldn't provide victory over his own sin, far less his own people. It is only Jesus' salvation that is a complete salvation. Jesus finished the job on the cross. And so you know what? You're too far broken. You're too messed up. You can't fix everything. God says you're right where I need you to be. Come to Jesus. Acknowledge that you need him. We've been doing this thing far too long by ourselves. Success has drawn us away and made us think that we can do this by ourselves. The reasons we can find strength in our weakness is because our weakness shows us our need for Jesus. Let's close. Lord, as we humbly approach your throne, God, and I'm just thinking, I know there are people that maybe heard this story for the first time this morning. They're like, who's the Samson guy? But maybe they're identifying with Samson. They're going, man, that's me. Like, I'm just, I'm, I'm trying to like tear these jaws off a lion and it's called life. I'm trying to lead my family and it feels like I'd rather tear the jaws off a lion than try to lead my family or trying to you know, begin to help my kids or spouse or it could be um, just relationships or it could be careers or it could be the jaws of a lion seem more enticing than just the depression that I'm in or the season that I'm in. And so, God, you are asking us right now. You are showing us the need, the hole that is in our lives. You are, you are acknowledging we have this gaping wound that is spiritual and that only Jesus Christ can fill that hole. Lord, would you lead us now. Lord, we need you. What amazing grace, how sweet the sound that saved a wretch like me. I once was lost, but now I'm found. Lord, if there's anybody here this morning who is understanding that gaping hole and goes, I need Jesus, I pray this morning they would just respond. It's so simple. It's just between you and the Lord. And you're just saying, Jesus, I believe that you died on the cross for my sins once, now, and forever. I give my life to follow you with the rest of my life to take your message of hope, to, 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 to begin each day by saying, God, I can't do this by myself. I need you. Lord, be with the men in this room as we lead our families, as we lead our children. Would we meet you every day, whether it's, four o'clock in the morning or if it's 12 o'clock at night or whatever the problem is wherever we meet you god wherever we sit with you we just say god i can't do this by myself i need you and god i am asking you on behalf of my family and behalf of myself lord i need you i cannot do this alone and god for the for for the rest of us i just pray that we would leave here encouraged to know that you use broken people to do amazing things Help us understand more of your purposes. Would we avoid this Lone Ranger Christianity that we can do it by ourselves because we can't? And Lord, would we recognize that although you, God, you would lead us to, to, to success in this time, this earth, God, would we walk every step of that success so gingerly with you that we would walk in your spirit. God, lead us 
Will we use our success in this time to bring you glory and power? Forgive us when we make it all about ourselves. And Lord, as we just know that the weakness of our lives, God, that's, that's meant to show us our need for you. Thank you for that reminder this morning. We ask all things in the powerful name of Christ. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, happy Father's Day. Guys, make sure you love on your dads, your mentors, those in your life. And, and we'll start in the back, and you guys can work your way out. But we love you guys so much. We'll, uh, we'll see you soon.